Let's pray again, if you guys don't mind. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much again. Uh, we do pray that you would be here with us and that your word would go forth. And, uh, and uh, Lord, that you would uh, just have your way with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So Second Peter chapter 1, uh, on Wednesday, we looked at six things uh, by way of background or in, in or introduction to the book of Second Peter, and and uh, Peter reminds the church about a few things. In fact, if you guys got your Bibles open already, check out chapter one. Go to verse twelve. It says, "For this reason, I will not be negligent to remind you always." And then he goes on to remind them what he's reminding them. Look at verse thirteen. Yes, I think it is right as long as I am in this tent, speaking of his body, to stir you up by reminding you. And then look at verse 15. Moreover, I want to be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease, so after he passes away. And so clearly chapter 1 is about reminding us, really, of things that we should already know. Um, and, and we'll be looking at three of those things tonight. And uh, let's just read Second Peter chapter 1. Let's start at verse 1. It says, Simon Peter a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him, who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, Be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will neither never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Oh boy, this is jam-packed. Here we go. Um, So we're going to look at three things tonight that Peter is reminding us about, right? And... Uh, first is Peter reminds us about the power of God, the power of God. And that's in verses 2 and 3. Peter mentions two things that we need to understand about the power of God. And it number one, it involves grace and peace. Grace and peace. Notice there in verse 2, grace and peace be multiplied to you. So the power of God in anyone's life always and will involve the 
God's grace and God's peace. Grace, that's the charis, right? In the Greek, 156 times. It's mentioned in the New Testament. And simply means unmerited favor. Getting what we don't deserve. We would say it's a gift, right? We've been gifted uh, this grace. And, and we don't deserve it. And then there's peace. There's the irene, right? The, in the New Testament, um, it's mentioned 92 times. Uh, in the in the Greek, there means tranquility or rest or uh, peace. And so, oh man, there's so much going on in the world right now. Seventieth year anniversary for Israel. Is that awesome? There's the riots and there's the death, right? The shooting. There's a volcano in Hawaii right now. Um, there's wow. You just keep going, right? We could talk about North Korea wars and rumors of wars and and uh, if anything, I think this world needs God's grace and God's peace right now, right? <laughs> Man, uh, but note carefully um, how God's grace and His peace are multiplied in our lives. Uh, look at the end of verse 2, and notice it says, In the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So how is grace multiplied? How, how is God's grace and peace added to your life? Well, it's found in what? The knowledge of our Lord and Jesus, our Savior, right? Remember, the knowledge of the Lord is the key theme of Second Peter, and so we're gonna we're gonna hear this quite a bit if we go through Second uh, Peter. The notice the word knowledge right here. So grace and peace and, and multiply it to you in the knowledge of God. Um, this word knowledge that's the epinosis, right? Epi, so it's a compound word um, meaning upon, and gnosis means to know, right? So it speaks of coming to a very personal, very complete, a very um, perfect knowledge by experience uh, as it pertains to knowing Jesus Christ. In other words, it's about a relationship with Jesus, right? And, and that's the whole point right here. It's coming to that personal relationship with Christ and not a religion, right? It's not about religion and doing the do's and don'ts and the, the do this and don't do that. I don't, there's so much stuff this world says. But as a result of you spending time with the Lord and your personal walk with the Lord, isn't that amazing time, by the way, your, your, your devotional time with the Lord? When, when you just get alone with the Lord and you get a breather and, and there's, it's just quiet, and or you have your worship music on whatever you however you do it. I I have my coffee in the morning. That's my time, right? You don't you don't mess with me. Right? But and then just to open up the word and just hear from the Lord and talk to the Lord and sing to the Lord. It's just like ah, oh, it burns up. It burns up within your chest, right? It's just like ah, oh, gotta gotta have more. But it's all about our relationship with Christ. And notice it's always grace and then peace. You'll never get peace and then grace, right? Because you'll never, uh, you'll never receive the peace of God until first you have received the grace of God in your life. It has to, you have to have, be born again in order to experience that. Jesus said in John 14 verse 27, he says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, and neither let it be afraid. You see, the world is offering us an artificial peace, I would call, because, uh, and we, we buy, we buy into the lie as well. You get, you know, 
you, you, you pay your bills for the whole month. Oh, I just have a piece, right? You get in your car. The car starts. Oh, I got a piece. Uh, you know, whatever it may be. It's just, I don't know. You're, you're not sick, you know? I was just talking, um, to a few people today and they're, they're kind of sick and it's like, oh, in my mind, I'm like, Lord, thank you that I'm not sick. <laughs> and there's that, but that's not peace, right? That, that assurance of like, ah, oh, it's, it's, that's not the peace. And here's the thing. What about when death enters into your family? What about when cancer comes into your life? And, and they say, you got, you know, only a couple months to live. Real life kicks in, doesn't it? And, and really, it's just, it just smacks you. And you're like, whoa, where is the peace of God in those moments? Lord, I need you in this time. This, how am I going to pay the bills? Uh, my car is not starting. My, you guys, it, it keeps going. So it's easy. It's really easy to get our eyes off of Jesus and not receive his grace and not receive his peace. And, and we forget from Ephesians uh, 2.14 that Jesus is our peace. He's our peace. And yet we look at the circumstances instead. And, and we trade the circumstances in instead of Jesus, right? We're like, I don't want, I just, I'd rather look at my circumstance right now. And then what's going to happen? Oh, right? You're going to fall apart. And that's where you become depressed because your eyes are on yourself and it just keeps going. But family, our peace and our grace that we receive is not based on our circumstances. It's not based on our situations that we go through. It's based solely on Jesus Christ and really what he did on the cross for us. It's based on who Jesus is and and uh, really it's who he is personally and the knowledge of the Lord, right? When you understand the knowledge of the Lord and, and who Christ is, man, it reminds me, by the way, that we should pray for the peace of Jerusalem, right? That's what we're commanded to do as believers. We're to pray for the people. What does that mean, though? That they should be walking around with no guns and everybody's dancing with flowers? No. Well, what does this verse just say? That Jesus is our peace. So if Jesus is our peace, then you should pray that Jerusalem, that Israel, receives Jesus Christ as their Messiah, and that they would have a personal relationship with Jesus, then and only then will there be true peace until the gospel goes forth. And, and, and that's the, you, man, that's the place where you talk about spiritual hosts, right? Of wickedness and, and all the demonic realm. There's all kinds of stuff going on. And so when you pray, you're entering in anywhere in the world, you're entering into that battle. And so I would say battle on, right? <laughs> Let's keep praying for them. But when we fall back in our relationship with Jesus, we realize how how much God has blessed us with his grace and his peace in our lives. And, and uh, Paul tells us in Philippians 4, 7, he says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. And so what we learn about the power of God is that, well, it involves God's grace and God's peace. But wait a minute, there's more. You guys ready for this? You like that? It's like a commercial ad. I could do that. But the second thing that we learn about the power of God is that, that it, it involves 
Uh, life and godliness. Life and godliness. Uh, notice in verse 3, it says, As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So, wow, what a good verse to memorize, by the way, right? <clears throat> all things that pertain to life and godliness, and it, and it comes through the power of God. This godliness is not because we have, you know, a PhD or a high school diploma or I don't know, right? <clears throat> it comes from the power of God, right? It's, it's what? You can't earn it. It's by his grace that he has given us his this life in, in godliness, right? Grace, peace, life, godliness. And it's, it's really, it's because uh, he's the head of all power. The Bible says in Colossians 2.10, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. He's in complete control, ladies and gentlemen. Isn't that great? I think if you're a believer, it's like, ah, I could rest assured that no matter what's going on in my life around, around my world, right? Everybody's falling apart and going, ah, you have the peace of God because you know the God of peace, right? He has full power over everything and anything. In Ephesians 1.3, it says, uh, in the end, in the middle there, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And in Philippians 4.19, it says, and my God shall supply all your need, not some of your need, Right? Uh, he's like, oh, you know, I'd like to will and deal with you. Maybe you can buy me, you know, something, and then I'll give you the rest. God says, all of it. It's covered. It's yours, right? And, and it says, all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So, well, you and I have everything we need for life and godliness. Amen? Amen. Are we an amen church? Amen. Amen. Anyway, okay. <clears throat> Our life is, man, it's, it's, uh, it's in Christ Jesus. Jesus said in John 10, 10, and you guys know this one, right? Um, the thief doesn't come but to still kill and destroy, except, um, and then Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Sorry. <clears throat> My throat's all dry. Um, so our life is abundance, right? We're absolutely complete in Christ Jesus because of who he, he is. In fact, in Colossians, it says that um, uh, it's, it's Christ in us, the hope of glory, right? So you and I have all that we need for what? For, well, for life and godliness, and for his grace and his peace as well. This word godliness, by the way, simply means holy, <clears throat> And it carries the idea of having awareness of God in our lives. That we're just always aware of, uh, that the Lord's always there. He's always watching, right? And, and he sees all things, and he knows all things. In fact, your attitude and everything about you, it revolves and involves the word of God, right? Your, your, your thought process, every decision making, uh, we recognize that God is in our midst, and and, uh, and and note carefully, by the way, at the end of verse 3, it's through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. So obviously, like grace and peace, life and godliness is also, it comes by the knowledge of Jesus Christ. 
And so he has called us according to his glory and according to his virtue. And so that tells me he didn't call me because, well, of who I am, right? And and not because of my glory, right? And my virtue, look at how virtuous I am, right? That That's a lot of people's attitude. You're like, hey, why did the Lord call you? And they're like, well, <laughs> let me tell you. <laughs> oh, Oh, you didn't, you don't know? <laughs> Sit down. This is going to be a long one, right? Then they go off boasting about themselves. But this is what separates biblical Christianity from really religion, right? Biblical Christianity, it's, it's all about Jesus. It's Him reaching down to mankind and through His death on the cross, through His bloodshed, that His righteousness is accredited to our account. He was buried and He rose again for our sins that we might be forgiven and be with Him for all eternity it's just like a whoa that's let me stop and think about that one seriously right but religion is what it's it's man trying to work their way to god through good works look at all the religions well if you do this then and if you no, it look at biblical christianity it's not about you it's about him and what he did. And, and we gotta remind ourselves about that all the time. So it's not about my glory and my virtue. Um, it's all through Jesus Christ and because of Christ. In fact, look at Colossians 2, 3. It says, in whom are hidden all, and this is Jesus, right? In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. It's through Christ Jesus. So yes, we have it all in Christ, but we also need to grow in him daily, right? It's not like, oh, I just received Christ in my life last year. So I didn't really need to, I haven't read the Bible since then. And I don't read to because, well, I already received Christ. No, it doesn't work that way. You need to grow in him, right? You've been planted. That's great. But you know how easy it is to be uprooted, right? So you need some roots. You got to grow in the word. You got to get in the word. Die to yourself daily, right? Of like, oh, I should I could sleep another hour, right? Get in the word of God. If you call yourself a Christian, you ought to be in the word. Make time for the word and spend time with the Lord. It's, it's a must. Second Peter 3.18 says, and this is the last verse in Second Peter, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. Isn't that great? Even the Energizer Bunny is going to run out one day, right? Even a diamond lasts forever. No, it's going to burn up. But you know what lasts forever? His glory is going to last forever. Isn't this great? So I love it. Peter, let's go to the second thing here. Peter reminds uh, us about the promises of God as well. Notice there in verse 4. The promises of God. There are many promises, by the way, throughout the, the whole, you know, scripture. Um, and tonight, Peter's only going to lay out for us three things, uh, uh, three promises that we can hold on to. Number one, they have been given to us. They've been given to us. Simply, they've been given to us. Notice in verse four, and this is super easy to, uh, oversee, but notice it says, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. And so it's, like I said, you could be reading and you just skip it all together. Did you guys know in the Greek, it's a statement of fact, by the way. They have been given to us, right? So the promises of God are not something we work for. It's not, it's, it's, it's really something we just rest in. That's it. You've got it. 
so just rest in it, right? Be careful, by the way, of watching uh, TV and these TV evangelists and these, you know, Creflo Dollar, Benny Hinn. They twist scripture for their own profit. They don't give a great teaching and then at the end of the teaching say, well, this ministry is by so-and-so over here. If you like to donate to their ministry, it's always for their own profit, right? Or, or uh, you know, donate to this charity. I don't know. You don't hear of any of that. It's, it's give me your money, right? And they'll use scripture like crazy to twist scripture. And they say, well, if you want the promises of God, then you have to give me a thousand dollars and God will bless you 10 times as much, right? And they give all these twisted, wait, where did that come from? <laughs> it didn't say that. How do, why are you speaking for God all of a sudden, right? And so be careful with what you guys watch. No, we can't earn or, or, or strive to obtain the promises of God. They've already been given to us. Isn't that great? We've already got it. And so I understand De- Deuteronomy 28, verse 1. I was just talking to Kevin in the back about this. That, yes, if you obey God's commands, then thus the blessings, right? And then you go down to verse 15 of Deuteronomy 28. And, and if you do not obey the commands, then thus, what? The curses. And so I understand all that. But I also understand, and that's the simple point I just want to make today, is... That God has already given us his promises, right? It's very simple, but it's very, very profound at the same time. And, and also understand, um, in Romans eleven twenty nine, it says, For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. He's not going to say, here you go, just joking. Right? <laughs> I'm calling you to go over here, just joking. Now I'm calling you over here now. right? Or, or here's your gift, I'm taking it back. You don't deserve that. What? His gifts have been given as a gift. That's the whole point. He's gifted us. What's what's grace? Unmerited favor. We're getting what we do not deserve. Amen? Every morning I'm reminded when I wake up, I don't deserve you. I don't deserve my the new place that I'm in, my new my family that I got. You know, everything I, I my work truck, right? Get in it, I'm like, it works. This is so great, right? I don't deserve this, Lord. So great. We need to have that heart. It's a good thing. Um second thing we learned about God's promises is that um not only have they been given to us, but secondly, they are exceedingly great and precious. Notice there in verse 4, exceedingly great um, simply means mega, right? It, it, it's extremely huge. Uh, my son loves to come up to me and ask me questions all the time, and it's, it's the same kind of questions, right? Dad, is God bigger than this house? Yes, Malachi, God's bigger than this house. Dad, is God stronger than you? Yes, he's much stronger than I am, right? And in, in his mindset, God is like, He's just as tall as the house. <laughs> Is he taller than the clouds? Malachi. He holds the whole universe in the palm of his hand. And he's like, so he's bigger than the house? <laughs> like, yes, but that's us. We do the same thing. We can't comprehend. We can't, um, we can't even, you know, picture how great God is. He's just so good uh, and so great. He's uncomparable, I should say. And yet, And yet, with that, though, we don't rely on his promises. Isn't that crazy? We should rely, if anything, more so on his promises. Uh, but we don't. But they, they're, they're gifts, right? These gifts also are precious. 
And, and notice this word precious. It means to honor, to hold with great value, to, to hold dear. And it's costly. And understand that God's promises are to be valued as, well, valuable, right? We're to, we're, there's people that like, they get Fort Knox into their home. They got, they got their little safe of silver or whatever it is they want to protect. And then they just like, they armor their whole place and they're with the gun. Who is that? <laughs> they, they know how to protect, but when it comes to the promises of God in their life, there, there's no value. What's up with that? This is a, just a reminder, by the way, that Peter's saying, I'm just reminding you of these things. Church, we ought to know these things, right? That, that we are to value the promises of God. And, um, uh, uh, just, it's amazing. So, and because of this, we have a tendency, by the way, to, you know, because we're not valuing the promises of God, we, we walk around just like defeated, right? Like, oh, what's wrong with you? I'm defeated. <laughs> what? You're a believer. You ought, you ought to be victorious in Christ Jesus, right? You have everything in Christ. It, it, his, his promises are yes and amen, right? And you just, oh, but it's, no, you're not relying on his promises. They're not precious to you. So, you know, and I understand, I'm not trying to down talk circumstances in our lives. I know we go through circumstances, but, but do not put your situation in the middle of your relationship with Christ, right? And what I'm trying to say is, there's a lot of people that I see, I'm like, hey man, where have you been all these years? What, how, where, where are you at? And they're like, oh yeah, I'm doing my own thing. How come you're not walking with the Lord anymore? Well, I prayed that he would give me this job and he never did, so pff, I'm not going to be with God, right? Or, how dare him take my family member away, right? He killed him, just like that. I'm not going to serve God, how, what kind of God does that, right? And they, they say all these things. I've heard it. I've heard it over and over, the same excuses. And what are they doing? They're putting their situations before the Lord as if he's supposed to be their genie, right? God, you need to obey me. If you don't obey me, I'm not going to follow you. What? <laughs> well, he doesn't want you to follow him if that's the case, right? If you're going to be all like that, you missed the whole point. He's God. You're not. That's back in the garden, right? That's the sin. Adam and Eve, take this fruit. You'll be like God, right? It's pretty good. Take some, right? That's that's the sin from day one. It's just, or day whatever you want to call it. But, um, so, the third, the, the promises of God result in a new nature as well. They result in a new nature. Notice in verse 4 that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. That word partaker is very, very similar to uh, koinonia in the Greek, which is, it, it's, it means fellowship, right? That uh, that communion, that oneness that we have with other believers to have in common is another definition there. So we have in common what? With, we have the same commonality, if you will, with this divine nature. So that word divine is theos. That's what we get our word in English for God. And so understand that God's nature, everything he is, and everything about him we have in common with him. What? Right? Um, 
Paul says in Colossians 3.10, And have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That means we're perfect in the eyes of God positionally. Right? So, I... uh, We make mistakes all the time, right? We fall short of the glory of God. And it's because we're in this same tent, right? We're in this body. It's weak. And if we're not seeking the Lord and serving the Lord and and, and, uh, and staying in the spirit, well, then you're going to satisfy the desires of the flesh, right? And, and so understand that the byproduct of this new nature, according to the end of verse 4, catch this, it says, having escaped the corruption or the depravity... Uh, that is in the world through lust. So what is the result of this new creation? Uh, what We've escaped depravity. We've escaped lust. And, and turn back with me to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. Um, you and I have been delivered from the bondage of sin that, that, that sin has in our lives. We no longer are under the power or the authority of sin in our lives. When it says, hey, you go do that, and you're gonna, you, before you're like, yes, sir, right? And then you're on your way to go and sin, but now, because you're no longer under its authority, you have the power to say no. And then it says, oh, Right? It, it doesn't, it's all it could do. It could just keep asking and asking, but you're no longer under its power and authority. So, Romans chapter 6, by the way, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 7, 1, Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Now, this fear of God really acknowledges who God is and in his intentions. Exodus 20, verse 20, uh, this fear is produced by the word of God. The more you're in the word of God, yes, we know that faith is, uh, it, 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 we hear the word, uh, your faith is increased, but also the fear of God is increased. The more you hear the word of God, and that's why it's important that we come to church as well. Um, Psalm 119, verse 38, and Proverbs chapter 2, verse 5, and it makes a person receptive to wisdom and knowledge according to Proverbs chapter 1 verse 7 and chapter 9 verse 10. Um, by the byproduct, by the way, of this new nature that we have in Christ, and, and I mentioned the fear of God on purpose, and I might just do a whole study on it, because there's you don't realize how much the Bible from Genesis to Revelation talks about the fear of God until you're actually looking for it. Then you're like, whoa, it's in every single Bible story, and I never saw that. How did that happen? And and it's just, it's amazing. But we need to honor the Lord. We need to be in awe of who God is. And the more you hang out with God, the more you understand that. And one day we all will understand that, right? We'll all be before the Lord. Um, look at Romans chapter 6 if you're there. It says in verse 10, <clears throat> For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lust. 
And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but you're under grace. Is that great or what? I could just keep going. I love Romans. The byproduct, wow, of, of our new nature that we have in Christ Jesus is that we have escaped Corruption. We've escaped depravity. We've escaped the lust of the flesh. And ever wonder why you guys ever feel so bad when you sin? Do you ever wonder that, boy? It's because you're not of that anymore. You're not of the world. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus, right? And so, duh, you're going to feel bad. It's like a dog going back to its vomit, right? It's all, oh, look at that. I know that's disgusting and I shouldn't do it. Right? <laughs> they go back to their vomit. That's how you look when you go back to the sin of the world. You're going back to the, the, your old, your old. See, back in the day, that was pleasurable, wasn't it? It was amazing. Because you were in the world. And, and, and sin was not sin. It was just, it was up for grabs and you do whatever you want to do. But now that you're a new creation in Christ Jesus, our, our citizenship is not of this earth, right? It's in heaven. And we're not of this place, and so when we go and do those things, it just seems foreign. And it just seems like, what am I doing? And then the Holy Spirit, who comes and convicts us of sin, righteousness and judgment, right? But that first part, sin, he's, he's doing his job pretty good, isn't he? Right? You, you sin, and now it's like, oh, what did I do? Right? Sin, are you guys, amen? Am I the only sinner in this place? Pray for me, because I'm just like you, right? I know you guys. Um, but, it's it's not a good thing. So, um, but yeah, understand you've you've we've all been given all things that pertain to life and godliness, right? And this empowers us to say no to sin. We're we're weak. We fall short of the glory of God. I understand that. Um, turn with me to Galatians chapter five. By the way, this is a. Uh, I think I could slip this in there. Galatians five. Look at verse sixteen. Galatians 5, 16, it's not out there. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. So they're at war with one another, right? But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh, they're evident, which are what? Well, I, I don't uh, break the law, right? I don't, not in the flesh. What's the flesh? I don't know. You want to know? Here it is. Uh, it's adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, Paul says, just as I also told you in past, uh, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is, and notice it's the fruits, the fruits, it's not the fruits of the Holy Spirit, the nine fruits of the Holy Spirit. Have you guys heard that? 
I've heard it. I'm like, oh, right? it's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. What is it? It's the, which is love, love. Because of love, the other, the other eight are the, they, they're the result of love, right? So love, because of love, there's joy, peace, long suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. And against such, there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Are you Christ? Are you of Christ? Are you his child? If so, it's evident, according to verse 24, that if if you're the Lord's, you've crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. Or are you those who are just feeding the flesh? And you continue to feed it the more it comes and craves and it says, wah, right? And you're all, here you go, Right? Um, but if you're a believer in Christ, and you really are, this is going to be evident in your life. And it's that's what the scripture says. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Now go back to Second Peter. I'm not trying to beat you guys up. I, I'm a sinner, right? I make mistakes. I just want you guys to see the contrast of how good it is uh, of God's grace and God's peace and God's uh, the life that we live, which is abundant, John 10.10 10, that Jesus said, right? And the godliness that comes because of his grace and, and his mercy in our lives. And I understand Ephesians 6.12, right, that... Uh, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. But understand that those powers can't control your life and my life. They can't control us, right? Because we're a new creation in Christ Jesus. We're a new nature. We've taken on a new form. We're not of this world. And so it's based on the promises of God and not our performance, right? On who we are or what we've done or whatever, right? So 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, it says, And for all the promises of God are in him are yes, and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. What? Amen, right? That's awesome. Therefore, you and I can live victoriously since we're partakers of this divine nature, right, that we're partaking of, of Christ, this likeness that, that he's given us, right? We are overcomers because of his blood shed for us on the cross. And thus we've entered in, right, First John chapter 5 talks, Talks about it that uh, we're in because of him right when i get to heaven i'm i'm just surrendering completely to what he's done on the cross for my sins there's nothing good that i've ever done that i could ever say god this is what i did for you i haven't done anything nothing right that god will be like whoa <laughs> it's nothing worth to even mention the only thing worthy to mention is his blood shed for you and I. That's what got us in and that's what keeps us in, right? And that's what daily we're to remember when we do communion, right? We're to remember what Christ has done for us on the cross. And so let's come to the third and last thing here. Peter reminds the people who live for God. Uh, and and in, this is in verse 5 through 11. And there's two things about this type of person. The first thing is this person is diligent in his character. He's diligent in his character, according to verses 5 through 9, because he lives for Jesus Christ. Notice it says in verse 5, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith, 
virtue, and to virtue, knowledge, right? So because you and I have been given this, uh, we've taken on this new nature of, of, uh, of, of the, we are to be diligent, right? So to be eager, to be thoughtful uh, as it pertains to adding to our faith. You're to be watchful of what does the scripture say that I can add to my faith, right? And it's very, very clear that we are to add to our faith certain things. Peter gives us seven characteristic traits uh, right here for us, right here in our text tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, you guys are able to hear it tonight. You guys ready for this? Seven things for us. Let's start with the first things that you guys can add to your faith. And remember, this is a reminder Peter's given us. Look at, look at, the first thing is we should add, be adding to our faith virtue. Notice that in verse five. Virtue, and this speaks of moral excellence. It speaks of what is morally pure? What is biblically correct? Right? And, and moral excellence uh, means not filling our minds with the things of this world. And, and I understand we're getting hit and bombarded with all kinds of just stuff throughout the day. But the thing is, we ought to turn away from it. Right? If it's coming this way, go that way. Turn it off. Right? Um, and, but you and I, I, we don't partake in it. Right? Since we're not... Why? Because we're adding to our faith virtue. And, and we wrestle against these things every single day, don't we? It's a battle. It's, it's amazing. I think Christians get the best sleep out of anybody in this entire universe. It's because every day it's like, there's so much going on. And then when it's time to rest, it's like, oh, finally, right? Uh, we can rest in the Lord. But what are we doing? When we add to our faith virtue... Well, you're not laughing at those dirty jokes at work with the other guys or the girls, whatever it may be. Um, we, it means you're, you're, you're turning away from things that are evil. You're not taking part in the things that are evil. And secondly, we need to add to our faith knowledge. Knowledge. Look at verse 5. Knowledge. That's the gnosis. Speaking of that intimate, personal, uh, uh, complete knowledge by experience that we have with Jesus Christ. John chapter 3. We've been born again in Christ and we've entered into this relationship with Christ Jesus. Number three, we need to add to our faith self-control. Self-control. And uh, this is temperance, right? Moderation. This is uh, not blowing up, right? All right, amen. Nope. Uh, but now I know. I know none of you guys blow up on each other, right? It's, that's the other people at other churches. That's that's what we're talking about here. But um, during worship, by the way, speaking of self control, we don't fall on the ground and convulse and shake and and blame it on God, right? We serve a God of order, and thus we're to practice self control. You come up, to, and, and I love interviewing these guys because they invite me to their church. And I'm like, what are you doing? And they're like, I don't know. It's out of my control, right? And they're doing, oh, what are you doing, weirdo, right? Don't blame that on God. That's not God. And and so we're to, we're to practice self-control. That's It's a natural byproduct. If God is in you, he's naturally producing this self-control in your life. You have it, but you also are a free moral agent. So you have the will to overcome in the flesh and choose whatever you want to choose. So very, very scary. But fourthly, or fourth, we need to add to our faith perseverance. Perseverance, um, another word for this is patience, right? It's, a, it's where we get 
patience from. Um, not being in a hurry, right? Being patient uh, carries the idea of being content with really whatever state you might find yourself in. Wherever God has you, you know what? It's realizing God is in complete control. He knows everything and anything. And, and, and I know that he knows what's going on in my life. And, and I'm just going to leave it at that, right? Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I'm not going to be in want because he's got it. He'll provide. He provides for the sparrows. He'll provide for me. He's got it. I'm not going to fall apart, right? And try to control things in my own nature because I can't, right? And so you give it over to the Lord. Fifth is we need to add to our faith godliness, right? Notice there in verses 6 and 7, godliness. We're to be aware of God every moment, living our lives for God, making our decisions based on the word of God, right? And then all of a sudden, you were this political view, and then all of a sudden you became a Christian, and all of a sudden you started seeing yourself over here, and it just... It changes up every aspect of you. It's it's pretty interesting. Um, six, we need to add to our faith, according to verse 7, brotherly kindness. This is that Philadelphia in, in the Greek here, right? That brotherly kindness. That's that brotherly type of love. It's that friendly type of love, that we're to be friendly to everyone. Um, seventh, we need to add to our faith, Love. Notice that in verse 7. Uh, love, that's the agape type of love. That selfless, sacrificial, that spiritual type of love that you and I cannot produce in and of ourselves. It has to be God in us, according to Colossians. It says, Christ in us, the hope of glory. It has to be Christ in you producing this type of love through you. And so this love can only come from the knowledge of the Lord, right? Getting that idea of, of knowing who Christ is, that his deity and everything he says he is, right, according to his word, and, and thus you're a born-again believer because you've, you've, uh, you've given your life to Christ, if you've given your life to Christ. But notice in verse 8, if we're adding to these seven things to our faith, it results in, notice, for if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So some wacky people, by the way, they, they, you know, the ones that just pick and choose one verse at a time, they'll never go through the context or verse by verse, right? No way. That's not how we do things. But this is one of those verses that they'll pick and choose. And if you don't know the word, they'll, 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 what they, they do is they control. They, they live and feed and breathe off of control, right? They don't have control. They're on, they're out to somebody else. They can, they can grab onto. But they'll grab this verse and, and they'll say to the women, you know why you can't have any babies? Well, it's because you're not living for the Lord. It says it right here that you'll be barren. <gasps> you, what? And then those of you, right, Calvary chaplains, right, you're like, are you kidding me? Get out of here. <laughs> Read the rest of that verse. And, and what does it say? In the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's very specific to one specific area. So, um, but understand, so we all know that. So understand if we're adding these seven character traits, right, to our faith, there will be fruit as a result. And you'll be fruitful and you'll grow as believers in Christ Jesus. Jesus said in John 15, uh, verse 8, he says, by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. But God is in complete control of me and I'm a robot and I have no free will. Wait, but 
I guess God's word is contradicting itself because he says right here that you clearly have a will. And if you do so and you take action, that uh, he'll, he'll be glorified in it. Interesting, huh? But so how do you bear fruit? Well, according to verse 8, it's what? In the knowledge of the Lord, right? Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse 5, he says, I am the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do some things. <laughs> nothing, right? Nada. That's what that means too. Nada, nothing. Zippo, right? I don't know what that means. But so as we abide in Christ, there's going to be fruit that is going to be produced in our lives. And so it will be evident to everyone in our lives that we live for the Lord. It's going to be obvious, right? They're going to, you're, you're no longer under the same spirit as they were, right? So now you have the Holy Spirit and now there's enmity against God. And now, right, there's, ah, there's war and it begun. It, it's, it happened, right? When you became a Christian, you, you, started seeing these things and 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 then there was always why in your your life like why would they that this is a no-brainer to serve the lord and i'm just trying to live for everything that's good and pure and morally correct and and thus everybody's against me my family's attacking me what's going on it's because of the your, the spirit of the lord is resting upon you and and now you're you're a frightful scene to the world right you're an you're a terror to them it's it's crazy so um, notice, by the way, if we're not adding the, to these seven character traits of our, of our faith, notice in verse nine here. So it says, <clears throat> it says, for he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. And so the, the byproduct of not adding to your faith especially these seven character traits that the Bible says to, um, speaks of not growing and not maturing as a believer. You're going to find yourself as a 99-year-old, and you're still going to be doing this. Right? <laughs> Something's wrong, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know. It's, 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 uh, it's like they just received Jesus Christ for eternal life, and then they just call it quits, right? They're like, I'm out of here. Oh. They never enter into that deep and personal intimate relationship that that christ has for them and so we end up blind and forgetful blind and forgetful and 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 this speaks of spiritual forgetfulness by the way since we are not advancing in our love and in our walk with the lord what marriage you guys seen marriages and, and they you you gotta walk right you gotta advance and if you're not advancing it falls apart Right? So it's a work. Everything, every relationship is a work. Everyone. And, and thus the same thing with your relationship with the Lord. So the person who lives for God is diligent, number one, in his character. But number two, the person who's living for the Lord is also diligent in, uh, his calling, according to verse 10 and 11. Notice in verse 10, it says, Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call an election, sure. Are you sure about your election and your calling, right? You see, your calling is by Christ. Your election is through Christ. It's because of Christ. It's all about Christ, right? That's, leave it at that. It's, it's good. And, and why did Christ call you? Some say, well, you know, it's because of my impressive resume. I mean, look at me. 
Why wouldn't God want me on his team? As if God's like, oh no, what are we going to do? Oh, he's really good. He's he's really good in this area. We better get him on our side. You're called. <laughs> what? No. Who's called for God to love the the world? Not just the little, 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 little bit of guys in the world. No. The whole world has been called, but only few are chosen because they choose to be chosen, uh, and some and don't choose to be chosen. They don't want to receive Christ in their lives. And so it's very, very uh, scary. So God called you and, and, and uh, elected you in spite of you. Wow. Isn't that awesome? Some of you guys are mad, but I'm happy. <laughs> Amen to that. I'm, I'm excited. But our calling and our election, it is sure. Why? Because it's not based on us. That gives me reassurance. I'm, <laughs> I mess up all the time. And, and I thank the Lord for that, that he has called me not because of me. It's, it's based on his finished work on the cross, his bloodshed for you and I, that he would go and he would be, he'd be ripped apart basically for the sins of the world. He took on the sins of the world, the burden of sin on his shoulders. And he took every step closer for you and I. He took his last breath. He did, right? For you and I. He gave it up to Telestai, right? It's finished. It's done. And it was for you and me. And so in verse 10, notice here, here in the middle, it says, For if you do these things, you will never stumble. Never means, in the Greek, you guys ready for this? Oh, you guys are good. Wow. I don't have to do all this stuff. Never means never. That's great. I love it. And, it's, and I think it's speaking about... Um, eternally here because look at verse 11 it says for so so linking the the, the previous thought of the the uh, uh, never stumbling right an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom so speaking of heaven um, of our lord and savior jesus christ so you and i because of christ uh and and his calling and his election right and it's sure we're assured of never stumbling and always having an abundance to an everlasting kingdom, right, with Christ Jesus. So understand, doing these seven character traits, adding these seven character traits to your faith, um, because of your calling and your election is sure, it just, it's just proof and assurance that you are a believer, that you are following the Lord. And, and it's just, a, it's, it becomes evident, right, with the, with the Lord. So, um, I pray that you guys are encouraged. I, I was, in, it's amazing. I could go like 10 hours studying this thing and you guys get that little scratch of this information. So when you, when you're reading through Second Peter, there's so much more. This isn't, all of it. It's, it's not like I'm going to spoon feed you. You got to study the word of God, right? To show yourself approved unto God, a workman unashamed. But what does that mean? If you're not studying, what's the contrast there? Well, are you approved? I don't know. I don't think so. The contrast will not be approved. So I challenge you guys, study the word of God. Study um, <clears throat> Second Peter such an encouragement. And, and if you're saved, make it your challenge to, to add to your faith these virtues, these, these seven character traits here. And, and, and really, 
Um, wrestle on, right? I just did that today in my Facebook. Wrestle on, my brothers, right? My friends, my family, because that's what we do every single day. Don't give up. Don't give in, but keep on battling. Keep on fighting, because the battle belongs to the Lord, right? And and he's t- told us, be strong and be courageous, right? Know that the Lord, he's He's there. He's, he's He'll go before you. He'll do the work. You keep relying on the Lord and falling back on him. Don't get tempted back into the old ways because you're just licking your vomit. It's pretty disgusting, amen? So let's seek his righteousness and his holiness. And, and uh, let's just ask the Lord for... Um, for grace in our lives. So you guys want to stand up? Let's let's pray. Oh, hold on. I got three more pages here. I'm oh, just joking. All right. Favoritism. Let's pray, guys. Lord, thank you so much for your word. And, and uh, what an encouragement it is that you hold the whole world in your hands. And truly, Lord, you are in complete control. And uh, I just ask, Lord, that you would grant us your grace, that you would grant us the strength, Lord, to... Uh, to seek your word, Lord, to seek you and to resist the things of this world, resist the temptation that comes our way. Um, and when the trials and the testings come, Lord, help us, Father, to go through it with you, that you would uh, continue to remind us to look up to you, to, to rely on you, to trust in you. I pray, Lord, that you would um, have your way with us, Father, in, in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.